0: Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me. Today, we speak to someone who is going to help you Take advantage of the fact that you are now in the publishing business. Whether you like it or not, that is the dividend of technology. It's never been easier to create and distribute content, but at the same time, as you all know, because I speak about it a lot, it's never been harder to get people's attention. So... How do you solve that problem? Well, my guest today is Stuart Howie, who has a a rich career in journalism dating back to the early 2000s, which has taken him to newspapers around Australia, including the Canberra Times, uh, the Illawarra Mercury, and he ended up as editorial director of Fairfax Regional Media Australia. After spending close to 15 years in the field, Stuart shifted across to strategic communication and consulting, where he's founded a media agency called Flame Tree Media, and it works both in Australia and New Zealand. And the the purpose or the mission of Flame Tree is really to assist its clients to better control and contain and use their content through the implementation of a process, which he has now detailed and outlined in a book called the DIY Newsroom, which we will discuss today. He joins me in the studio. Stuart, thanks very much for joining me on GovComs. Thank you. Hello. We are fellow travellers on this path of really people understanding that gift that is now with all of us, that everyone is now in the publishing business. Everyone can now create and distribute content. But again, everything is so competitive. So just... Maybe before we get into that conversation, perhaps just give us a little bit of a background of of your career and, and what led
1: you to this, this path of trying to solve this particular problem. Yeah, um, well, there's actually a photo, which obviously I can't show, there's a photo of my old man uh, on Port Phillip Bay in 1966 with the Rolling Stones. So dad was a disc jockey for 3AK, which was one of Australia's earliest rock stations. So I was always around the radio station, and they were at GTV9 in Richmond, uh, near Melbourne. So I was around radio, I was around TV, so it was pretty natural that I'd go into journalism. So that was in the mid-1980s, and my first paper was a country newspaper, the Seymour Telegraph, uh, whose motto was Truth Without Fear, which I kind of liked. And on a country newspaper, you do everything. So you are... I was the sole reporter. There was an editor, chain-smoking editor, who would sit in the office and it would look like a sauna you know, by the end of the day. And I would write the paper, I'd take the photos, I'd cover three councils, I did police, I did courts. Every Tuesday we'd go up and we'd print the paper at the and News. Um, and the great bit was I'd see the papers come off the press, put them on the trolleys, put them in the car, and I would literally deliver these newspapers to the little hamlets around Seymour. So that was a real connection with your audience. And, of course, as they're pouring through the paper, if you had anything wrong, you're really screwed because you would see these <laughs> readers at the pub or down the street or in the supermarket. So from there, that sort of launched me into newspapers and it was like it's just intoxicating working in that environment. And that was a newsroom, really, of me and a couple of people, me and the editor, essentially. And then went from there into community newspapers in Melbourne and then um, editing... Uh, in community newspaper groups for News Limited and then editor of the Ballarat Courier, came to Canberra as deputy editor, then acting editor of the Canberra Times and then editor of the Illawarra Mercury, you know, that sort of trajectory. Yeah. And then in charge of a big newsroom which really comprised Fairfax's regional properties which was about 800 journalists at that time. Um, and that was about really moving strategy of of print which still makes money, despite what everything everyone thinks, um, uh, helping print transition to the digital assets that we've got now. And then four years ago, left uh, the warm embrace of Fairfax and decided, look, let's go alone. Let's do something that really can help non-media communicate their message because we have all these tools. Yeah. But cutting through the claptrap trap is the real – that's the skill – and as you say, everyone, as you, uh, you talk regularly, everyone's a publisher, which is just great because we've democratised media. Yeah. But, my <laughs> gosh, some people should not publish. Or <laughs> well, think more about it. We'll have a process. Okay,
0: before we get into that, because I think that comes to, you know, the, the, the heart and the essence of the conversation, which I think is really uh, – uh, that's a great place to start. But just going back, what's the one thing you took away from those days when you were – Involved in every piece of it, um, that the communication process. What's the, what's the one big thing that you've, you've taken with you through the, your career yeah. that you know to be true?
1: It's a really good question. I think it's that intimate relationship you have to have with your audience. So it doesn't matter whether you're the New York Times um, or you're the Little Seymour Telegraph or you've got a special niche and you use social media, you've got to understand... Your audience and that's just not who they are it's what their problem is and what's going to interest them and peak peak you know the sorts of things that will help them consume your product or buy your services or have that relationship that you're seeking
0: yeah because it is i i totally agree with you i think it's the first second third fourth and fifth most important thing because if you don't get that right there's nothing happening there's there's no spark there's no engagement so what
1: interests people what does interest people Fundamentally, yeah. I think um, stories that... So I think it's a mix of things, you know, being a journalist. There's the things that, um, that uh, you've got a natural affinity with. So, you know, like tennis. So I'm going to read about tennis, all right? You can't give me enough tennis. But I think the other thing is that we... And because we rely a lot on metrics and data today that tells us these are the segments you have to provide exactly this content. But the flip side of that is we also love to be surprised... So, so, and that means being entertained, it means being informed and it's about uncovering those things that we don't know about. So, you know, I'll give you an example. So, I've got a good mate in the press gallery and we are talking last night about the proposal to move um, uh, the re- Israeli embassy, OK? Yep. Very controversial. Yep. OK. Um, you know what? I think I know a little bit about that and West Jer- Jerusalem and the, those issues, but really what I'm looking for is more context. Give me a richer experience. So we're looking for, I think particularly today, looking for those immersive experiences, whether it's about our personal interests and hobbies, I mean, depending on what the medium is or what the purpose of the communication is, um, to learning, expanding our thinking and you know, even moving away from what we all know is that whole echo chamber effect of social media. Mm. So what skills do you need to have to be able to
0: better assemble that awareness and that understanding and that knowledge
1: of, of your audience? What, what do you have to be good at? So I think uh, certainly assembling around, well, one, the, the 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 data, the understanding of your market. So I think there's, if you're a communicator today, whether it's a, a company, a professional, or someone who's using a communication service, you want to really get to know that there's... Um, There's some market conditions to what you're trying to do. So basic economics almost, um, news economics or information economics, if I can put it in that way, of being able to go, you know, if we do this sort of content, it will give you this bang for buck. So there's a return on your investment, Mm. um, which in content we haven't always thought about. We just thought... Let's tell a story, and we sh- if we should tell stories, because storytelling is at the core of what we should be doing as communicators, but tell a story that's really relevant. So I think that's one of the skills is about understanding clearly your market and then, by extension, what I just referred to about the storytelling, having the ability to tell a story in a powerful, meaningful way that makes that heartfelt connection, mm. and then the real art today is using the right medium to read reach the right audience at the right time and then making that connection and having that enduring relationship if that's what you're seeking.
0: That sounds quite complex and maybe Mm. for someone like you who's been vitally involved and right at the the sharp end of the information business, which is the publishing of of newspapers. But how does someone who works in a, a government communications area uh, under you know gather those skills yeah. and gather them quickly gather that capability.
1: Yeah, I guess what, I, what I'd outline it would be, um, I think you need a methodology. So as a communicator, my methodology—it's an acronym. We have got to have an acronym, don't we? So it's smart. So I think you know if you're a, in government, you've got to have a strategy. Government does strategy and policy really, really well. It's not always great. But you know, and a strategy can be on the back of an envelope. It can be on a whiteboard. It could be a you know, a hundred and twenty-slide, you know, PowerPoint presentation. But you need a strategy. So you've got to have that blueprint to start with, and that involves a fair bit of discovery of what you're trying to achieve. Okay, Um, and when you've got that, to be able then to communicate that and understand that and disseminate it as easily as possible. So the devil's in the detail around that. And then it's, you know, the, the M in SMART for me is about media, choosing your weapons of mass communication. The 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 A is the authenticity of making those connections in your storytelling. So you you're moving from the strategy, the the strategic use of different forms of media to then your sto- storytelling to make that heartfelt connection and then setting your results in smart, you know, really smart results. So that can be um, we often think about results being um, – uh, we often make mistakes. It's likes and cheers on Facebook, right? Okay, that might be part of it, but, you know, it's not the whole game mm. and it becomes a bit of a vanity game, as you know, just chasing that sort of stuff. Mm. But really identifying as a business or as a leader uh, or as a government authority, what the what are you trying to achieve here? The why, the understanding the why. And then the X factor for me is right at the end of smart, which is team. So it's then deploying the people. Now, we've got lots of people in government who go and do stuff. Mm. But how do you use them? There's no shortage of people. Mm. And there's actually no shortage of skills. So it can be technical skill, you know, running a podcast. It could be skills in reaching, you know, certain advertising segments. So there's lots of skill there. But the team is the, the difficult bit because I often talk about... We get really carried away, particularly in government, having strategy and doing it really well. We see with politicians. They can have great policy, great strategy, and then so-and-so goes totally off message and the issue we know is going to go, you know, is really going to tilt. So it's then about having a really good team approach and, and reorganising what you do at the coalface face. With your people and mobilising your resources,
0: mm. it's complex though. That, that that describes quite a quite a process to actually get to an effective end. So, what advice do you give people to get themselves started? You know, particularly as we move from this transition where lots of government um, agencies are still sort of not, you know, they haven't adapted to this new world because it's you know hasn't been required of them so far because the politicians are still fascinated with, the, with the, uh, you know, the print media and the yep. electronic media. And so this business of being able to, to be in the publishing business it hasn't quite got through as, as yet. So how then do, do people make those changes and yeah. make those
1: steps? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I see, one of the problems that comes up uh, often is that uh, leaders and managers, but let's talk about leaders, they want to make change. Right, so they get the fact they have to make change because it keeps them relevant. So what's in it for them is that they, that they get to meet their career aspirations and are seen as someone who can be a trailblazer and make change. So they want to make change, mm. but typically they don't know how to go about it. And really I think it is walking through that process, but the first step is just what, what you referred to before is to start. It's just like start. You're never yeah. going to quite get it right. And, um, you know, I do a lot of project management and one of, and government's great at project management, but one of the things about project management is that you can just keep uh, you can just keep planning and planning and planning. Now, I'm a great believer, you know, nine-tenths of success is in your planning, don't get me wrong, but you can keep doing that and I also work for organisations that are very fluid and fast. And one of the things that, that so you're tr- trying to find that happy medium between getting in the fast lane but getting it as right as you can. But I think starting is just start it and give it a go and experiment because As you look around, and I think government's a good example, there's some agencies and some departments and some ministers who who are really naturally pretty good at communications or deploy certain mediums really well. Um, But, you know, who's the gold standard there? You know, if you see a gold standard, try what they do or go somewhere different, but Mm. make a start. Do you think there's
0: permission for people to to trial and to experiment or is in the conservative cultures of government it's like, well... I want to see the return on investment before I understand or I'm prepared to invest in that particular activity and therefore it's very difficult to know because you just don't know. You know, you, you may want to start, but
1: how do you get that permission? So I guess when um, we talk about the public service, we talk about Australian government, um, you know, if if you asked the wider population, you know, what are those... Um, um, what are those sectors in life that are least likely to change and tend to follow rather than lead, that's who comes to mind is government and government agency. And that's unfortunate because they do amazing work and they do a lot of groundbreaking work that they don't get recognition for. So, you know, I think it's difficult in government um, because every other sector in society has been massively disrupted. So, you know, having worked in media, you know, media, you know, (laughs) media, David, media, you know, according to the Harvard Business Review, you know, in recent times, media was the most disrupted industry in the world. So having worked in the media, we're pretty used to it. And we've got a great sort of symbiotic, if I can use that word, relationship with the politicians and the bureaucrats. So that's sort of, so in a way, you know, we feed off each other. But we're very accusatorial of what happens in politics and we see the Trump factor and the disruption now happening in politics. So I think, really, the, the, the impetus in government and bureaucracy is to say, you know what, that more than ever before, a government is being implored by the people of Australia to make change. And the politicians don't necessarily always get it, but there's an underlying current there that if you don't make change, community activists or other mechanisms of change... Will, will come into play and change will be made around you and government will become increasingly irrelevant.
0: That's scary. And it's true, though. I, I tend to agree with you, and I think this is part of this challenge of being able to communicate more effectively, being able to better explain policy, program, services, regulations, and being to have people in a position to be able to say, uh, OK, I get it. Maybe I don't like it but there's a thing called the ballot box in four years' time so I can move somebody out there. But it is this ability to better explain so as that people have an understanding. And this really sits at the heart of what you're talking about, isn't it? This do-it-yourself newsroom, so as organisations can take on this new capability that technology's gifted to them as part of this you know, digital transformation, so as that they can be better at
1: going about telling their stories. Absolutely. And I think it can apply to an organisation... Um, it can apply to a category, but it can apply to an issue. So uh, let me give you another example. So Snowy Hydro. Yep. Okay. So as a nation, I think if you survey, people would say that was one of the great, you know, nation-building things that we did whenever it was. It was a long time ago. Um, And now we've got the 2.0. Now, as an Australian, I go, I think it sounds pretty good, the 2.0 thing, but I really don't get energy policy. Right? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. I do not get energy policy. But... I met someone in an airport lounge who who writes policy in energy. Um, um, so, that obviously, i not giving their name, but they were someone relatively seen, and they're explaining it to me, and I go, that's amazing, but I don't hear any of that story. So, on that issue where we're going with energy policy, policy where we're going with snow hydro, I go, I was getting quite excited about it, but there's no engagement from me. So, I don't, now, I don't know on that case what the the PR, uh, the, the corporate comms, if you like, that occurs behind that. But one of the things one of the things that, that organisations make a mistake with is they, they go old school. So we think brand, we think let's do, um, we, well, particularly come into an election, let's do a, a television commercial and we'll have some nice images, we'll make people feel good and it's, you know, we'll go on the back of that. Or, well, um, it's about brand. Or we'll appeal to people's fears, which is a great tactic, of course, but where's the storytelling on that? Because I think people are seeking that deeper experience. Tell me, well, what has the Snowy Hydro achieved? What will it achieve in the future? Why should I be personally invested in this? So explain, explain, explain. Well,
0: it, it, I, I get that. But why would I be interested in a story about the Snowies when I can turn Netflix on and watch the next series of Ozarks instead?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the attention economy we're in, isn't it? You know, Precisely. So everything is just, it wants our attention. You know, I think probably there'd be research that shows that we actually have more leisure time than what we once upon had. Um, it's what we choose to do with that. This is a great thing the problem for newspapers has been is that people are choosing not to read newspapers. They still read newspapers. Um, but they're choosing to consume their news in other ways. Uh, let's call it Facebook. So so we, we think that's now media and we think that's news, so we consume stuff in different ways. So it's a competition for our attention, but, you know, going back to the Snow Hydro, it's something that many Australians would be interested in um, if we were hitting the right markers um, in terms of the way we communicate. And the onus on that is those driving policy, those in government, um, those immersed in the debate, to think to think beyond the old school ways of how you can do it yourself by getting your message out there. Mm.
0: That's and and to me again looking at this because it's obviously something that we work on quite regularly in terms of the support of the organisations that we we work for, it's to get them to understand this notion of narrowcasting. You know, there's a the fact that everybody is now in control of the information, the education, the entertainment that they receive when they receive it on the device of their choosing, at the time of their choosing. So the broadcast era, pretty well, I don't know, you for me, For me, I just think it's pretty well gone. Um, and it's now the narrow cast era. So how do I tell a story in such a way to a, a, a very narrow audience that is going to get their attention around something that maybe they're not particularly interested in or would not seem to be particularly interested in at first blush so that's the challenge but then once you understand that audience it's then producing consistently so as that over time you build that relationship whereas it's like maybe not the first time maybe not the second time but the third the fifth the tenth the twelfth they may start to engage with you so I think that gets back to I think this notion of being like a publisher where you're turning up Every day, And I'm sure when you were a, uh, an editor of the newspaper, there were some days you put newspapers together where there was probably nothing in it or they didn't fly or some days. But guess what? You had to put it out every day. And,
1: and, um, and, and I, I can't remember the Latin um, of it, but, you know, what, what is that repetition is the mother of learning. Um, and I think that's one of the things I've learned in newspapers over the years is you can't just put a message out there and go, bang. Let's assume that everyone's received the message, understood it, and they'll do something positive with it that meets your ends. There is repetition in when we drive a campaign, whether it was a marketing campaign, a promotion, or there was a editorial campaign you're running. You go, I was you've got to keep banging that drum. <laughs> and not necessarily the same drum. You've got to try different things. And we've got the ability now with these different mediums to use... You know, pick That's up right. on the different senses. Yes. So, yeah, we are visual. You know, podcasting is skyrocketing in popularity because of the way we live our lives. And, um, and that really meets a need. Um, but for other people, you know, print. So, you know, uh, you know, people say, well, have you written a book, Stuart? I mean, like, put an e book or write blogs. And yeah, I've done all that as well. But, you know, the great thing about print is that we retain things. So, digital, what digital does in terms of, re- well, digital gets our attention. It's the razzmatazz, it gets our attention. Print, we know the, the way the, the brain works. We absorb information, we process it, and we act upon it. So it's horses for courses. Mm. Um, and this has been the great, um, I guess, one of the great um, fallacies maybe, but it's certainly one of the things that social media has led us down this track of, it's all got to be Facebook, or it's all you know the engagement today is it's the it's it's all donald trump on the, on 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 twitter is the sum total of communications that should be coming out of the white house so we need to understand um those different channels and it is complex it is really complex and you know we try and make it in the communications in industry make it as simple as possible but it does take a level of time to find your way, and the way keeps changing. So we need to be adaptable.
0: Yeah, and how do people learn that?
1: And how do people sell that into their organisations?
0: That they've got to be saying to people, look, this, this will take time, this will be complex. Some of the choices we make won't perform in an environment that's highly accountable, where someone's going to go and sit up in front of Senate estimates and have to justify. The you know yeah. the, the expenditure of money on a particular program of communication that may not get results because who knows you know Facebook could change the algorithm overnight and all of a sudden
1: you've invested down one path and it's no longer available to you. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's right. You know, I mean, on that on Facebook, I think there was a study that showed that uh, Facebook changes to algorithm twenty three times in three years, and and at the start of twenty eighteen. Uh, they changed their algorithm quite significantly that that demoted uh, business brands and media, and we saw immediate impact on what that meant. So those and that will continue to change. I think one of the things we'll see about social media as well is we'll see far greater regulation. So we're seeing it overseas. We're going to see greater regulation of how uh, the impact of social media. There was a story in the Fairfax Media yesterday about a, a New South Wales councillor who. Uh, won a defamation suit against some um, uh, uh, commentators on the Facebook. So this is all just part of this sort of murkiness. But just sort of going back around, you know, that, that, that the risk of, for government and education is very much about... Um, it is, it's, well, it's a high-risk environment, so I do a bit of work in education. And reputational risk, it's a minefield. So it's a minefield. So, so the immediate reaction would be it's just... And this is the way that a lot of uh, colleges and universities to a lesser degree have gone about their uh, communications is you're either in or out. So let's be out for the moment. And when they decide to go in, it's, it's scary. And that's when you need some parameters around how you're going to embark on this. But it comes back to start with a strategy. Yeah. It comes back to having the conversation and ripping the lid off the can to see what's there and discussing what's the best way forward and working together. But
0: you have to have the courage as well, though, don't you, to jump in. If you're not in there telling your story, someone's going to tell it for you. Absolutely. And yeah, takes leadership. Yeah. Stuart,
1: tell me more just quickly about the DIY newsroom. Okay, so this is this is it. so all this stuff that I talk about and the methodology. I thought let's put it down on paper. So you know the, the DIY Newsroom is a book that I've got coming out, um, and it's it's the five steps to you know, having simple, sustainable, and strategic communications so it's for for the business leader for government for those in any sector really and you can be have a small communications operation or a big communication operations it takes you through it's a manifesto for those leaders to understand the sorts of things we're talking about of why you would do it for yourself and give you that courage to go forward, and then for the practitioner, for the comms professional in the trenches, it's a handbook how to go through that process and then really implement the sorts of things that really do our heads in when we're trying to work out which way to go. So, so the book's out. If you, if the, you know your audience is interested, just go to my website, which is diynewsroom.com, and there's more information about that.
0: Fantastic. Well, Stuart, thank you very much for coming in to GovComs into the studio here in. Uh Sunny Canberra, uh, you're a man after my own heart. I've got to say, this is the business that we're in. This is the business. People have got to grip up the opportunity. Like, there's, you don't have any choice other than to take advantage of the gift of technology, which means that you are now in the publishing business. But as Stuart says, the strategy is going to help you. Having a plan is going to help you. It's going to help you to sell it up the line and then hold you accountable to the performance and then really to help you you know make good decisions based on the evidence that you can assemble in order to turn up consistently in service of that audience, because I think it's the only way that we will get the message through over time. So there we go. There we have it. And thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen, for turning up once again to listen to the GovCom's podcast. Thank you to Stuart Howie for coming in and thank you to you uh, for coming back once again and we'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now.
1: You've been listening to the GovCom's podcast.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.